This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, Episode 107, Red Church Sermon Series, The Way of the Warrior, Part 2. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? Truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Welcome to Strangers and Aliens, the podcast. As opposed to Strangers and Aliens, the movie, which is coming soon. As opposed soon. to just Strangers and Aliens, like random. The, the people, yeah. Um, although some of us might be considered one or the other. We, again, we'll just leave it to you to decide. What are you? What are we? Are we strangers? Are we aliens? Or are we strange aliens? So I'm here with one other person. And Who's that, Ben? I, well, that'd be you, Steve. Oh, hey. Hey, everybody. How's everybody? I just realized I didn't introduce myself, but I'm Ben <laughs> Avery, and I am joined by... Steve McDonald. And we are two of three. Uh, the third one is not here, but actually the third one, he's not here to record right now, but he is actually the main person you're going to be listening to today. There because you go. today we are going to be listening to The Way of the Warrior, part two from Dr. Jace's sermon series from his church, The Red church now the red church is um a church plant that dr jace has been doing i've been working with for a long while and uh i think they're coming up on like a one-year anniversary or if they haven't maybe they've already done that but it's been around a year a little bit more a little bit less i'm not sure but um that church red is short for redemption is is what what they say on their one of the things they say on their website Mm -hmm. and um it really is focusing on reaching out to people who aren't churched and to who um, maybe used to go to church and, and have kind of fallen away from that, that kind of thing and um, or people who have never, ever gone. And um, Steve and I have both appreciated what Dr. Jace is doing out there. And so when I found out that he had some interesting sermon series that have to do with a little bit with, with geeky stuff, um, I thought that's – that makes some excellent filler for a week like right now <laughs> when Dr. Yeah. Jace is not available. Uh, Steve, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty tired. Um, I'm, I've been spending a lot of time cranking against a deadline for a graphic novel. Oh, lucky with yeah. the deadlines and stuff. Yeah, lucky. I'm sort of shoveling out of a blizzard, so I'm a little tired. <laughs> so... You know, it's we. It's a little bit after New Year's. It's a couple days after that. So we started 2014. So we're going to play for you the second part 
of his series called The Way of the Warrior. Part two is called The Way of Solitude, which is about solitude. <laughs> and, you uh, don't say. Yeah, yeah. And basically it's about Christians taking the time to get away from the noise and to spend time with, with God. And So I'm going to go ahead and uh, we'll play this now and then Steve and I will come back and we'll wrap things up. And then I think um, I think next episode – actually, I don't know what we're going to talk about next episode. Um, just depends on if Dr. Jace is with us, what, what we're going to talk about. So. so yeah, this is The Way of the Warrior, Part 2, The Way of Solitude. And I will say this. There is some audio trouble with the recording, but I do recommend listening to it. It is well, well worth it. And yeah, I'm going to roll tape now. Do it. Living back at Flint. Series of traveling around, we ended up back in Flint. We don't know it's a really dangerous city to live in. And I was about 15 years old, and I had just gotten fed up. And I snuck out, I don't recommend this, but I, I had this place that I would go to, uh, this place where I would go and pray. Now, it was not serene by any stretch of the imagination. It was in the middle of Flint. We lived behind the red light district, and there was this little corner here. And right across the kitty corner was the drug house. For whatever reason, I would go and I would sit there and I'd look up and I'd be able to see one or two stars, not much more than that. And I would just pray. And one of them, the ones I remember distinctly, was I saying, God, I'm tired of being alone. I need friends. I need a best friend. I need close friendships. And I remember that heart's clock as if it was yesterday. And about six months later, God came through and started to establish really great friendships that lasted that last now. The thought of being alone is frightening for most people. We don't like it. A kid cries out because he has no friends. A middle-aged man thinks back to his high school days or his college days when he was the most popular person on campus or the successful executive sits in her office. Very successful, but utterly alone. When you think of the hundreds or thousands in our nursing homes or in hospitals on the streets dying each day totally, completely alone. To avoid being alone, we throw ourselves head first into noise, activities, and busyness, so we never have to feel the sting of loneliness. Today we're going to be discussing the spiritual discipline of solitude. Let us pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. I pray right now that any distractions, pray God that you would touch our minds and our hearts and speak to each of us, Lord, what you are trying to speak to us in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. They did a study on the average day of an average person from about the age of 25 to 55. And this is what they found out that an average day looks like. 8.6 hours in a day spent working. 7.6 hours sleeping. My guess, that's definitely not the college age because they spend about three hours sleeping. And most of the rest of the day, they spend it, uh, we spend it on home-related work or taking care of other people or eating and drinking. When you look at the average day of the average person, we find out that we are very busy doing a lot of different stuff. And when we do have leisure time, this is how we spend it on average. 
the average person spends about eight hours a day in front of a screen, whether it be TV screen, computer screen, a phone screen. 4.2 hours on average is spent on social media alone. Just social media. Farmville and Candy Crush are very big. I know because I keep getting those invites. I keep blocking them. If we are the average person, then we are busy, and when we get free time, we usually do some sort of entertainment, especially right now on social media. But with all of these activities, one study says that the average person only has 17 minutes they actually have to spend thinking. 17 minutes of quiet, pondering life, thinking about what's going on. Now, many people say that God doesn't care or that he doesn't talk. He doesn't say anything. But many times, how would we know? Because perhaps we're just too busy to listen to what he's saying. Today, we continue our sermon series called The Way of the Warrior. Because we believe we live in a broken world. But we have the promise of redemption. Jesus Christ died for our sin so that we could be connected with Almighty God again. And we believe that God wants to co-work with us, to to partner with us, to help bring redemption to those who have not found it yet. That is why Christians, we are called to reach out to other people. The role that God wants us to play is an important role. It's a vital role. But often we get sidetracked, we get consumed in our own little stuff that we forget the big picture. You know, in almost every story about a hero or a warrior... There comes a point in their journey that they don't have it enough in and of themselves. And they have a sage mentor. You know, Skywalker had Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi. You had uh, um, what's it? Qui-Gon. Yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, we had Qui-Gon English, please. That is Star Wars prequels, which don't count. Neo had Morpheus. Frodo and Aragorn had uh, Gandalf. Each of these heroes had to have somebody to speak into their lives because they didn't have in and of themselves enough to move forward. Now, we have that need too. Each of us needs someone to help speak truth because we, in and of ourselves, don't have enough to make it happen. The great thing is, is we have the mentor of all mentors. Jesus, when we look at Think about it. Just if you if we remove the God part, which we don't as a church, was God, who is the Son of God. But even if you just look from a historical perspective, no person in the history of the world has ever made an impact like Jesus did. Two thousand years later, his impact is still being felt. And we can plug in to that. We don't have to look at Splinter or Gandalf. We get the real thing. If you're here today, know that we live in a world that desperately needs the truth of God. And each of us needs a stronger influence of the truth of God in our life. So how do we help? We draw as much wisdom as we can from Jesus. We watch his example. We listen. We obey. But one of the biggest barriers is the noise in our lives. The noise. The busyness. We get so focused in our stuff, the issues we've gone through, 
God is calling us not to be victims or bystanders. What I mean by that is a victim, a victim mentality, is that we just focus in on what's been done wrong to us or what we don't have. Now, that doesn't mean if something was done wrong to you that it doesn't matter or it's not important. We're not saying that because some you know, things do impact our lives. It's just that we have the ability to move beyond that. Sometimes we just choose to stay there and plant our anchor in that past hurt or wound. The bystander mentality is we just look out for ourselves and our own. That's it. But God is calling each of us to be warriors, and that means that we should not be victims or bystanders. In order to be a warrior, though, we must be comfortable in the spiritual discipline of solitude. Now, this is a tough topic to talk about in our culture because we don't really speak about this topic very often. Solitude is not just about being alone. Solitude is not loneliness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. Christian solitude is having an intimate relationship with God. To have an inner peace that goes beyond all understanding. Now there's two aspects of of solitude. There's the inner part, which is this inner peace that we don't get freaked out about every little thing that happens. And then there's the external part where we actually are intentional about having time and quiet and peace in connection with God. You can't have solitude without silence. You cannot have solitude without silence. How do you know if you have solitude? Well, here's a litmus test. When life gets crazy, do you get angry? Do you get fearful? Do you get argumentative? Do you get anxious? All of these are the opposite to solitude. If craziness and busyness is your problem, if that's something you're struggling with, then the discipline, the spiritual discipline of solitude is the answer that God gives, that Jesus brings to us. If you look at Psalms 46.10, it says this. It's funny that you said this today. They did not know the key scripture today, but be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted, exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. When a crisis occurs, when chaos breaks out, what is our gut instinct? Most people don't automatically say, well, let's just be still. Let alone, well, let's just trust God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. When you get wind of someone gossiping about you, what is your first reaction? You know, for most people, the first reaction is to talk to as many people as you can to get the story straight. To make sure that everyone knows what the truth really is. That's often our gut instinct. But scripture tells us to be still and know that I am God. Which implies that to fully know God means that we must be still. So this is what this really comes to. If we're not being still, if we're not embracing solitude and moments of silence, how well do we really know God? Many of us know TV characters more than we know God. We spend more time with them. When all the crazy breaks loose, do we respond with crazy? Or do we say, let's be still and trust that God is God? 
The person who is seeking true spiritual peace must leave the crowd and noise behind and spend time with Jesus. Why? Why is that so important? Because when you spend time with someone, they change you. For those who have been married, you hear this all the time. People, the longer you've been married to someone, the more they become like each other. Well, that's because the more you're with someone, the more they influence you. That's why it's very important to know who you surround yourself with, who you spend time with. When you spend time with Jesus, it changes you. Well, how does he do that? Well, there's one way. One of the key ways is when you take time, you're making time in your busy schedule to stop and spend peace and quiet. You are taking the weight of the world and saying, you know what, I can put this over here. The entire world is not dependent on just me. That's very freeing. One person said this way, I am resigning from being the CEO of the world. Stuff to do. Because we're so busy. Something happens. We have to get involved. We have to control it. We have to make sure that what we want happens. In solitude, taking time helps us to realize that even without us, life still goes on. Now, the main purpose of a Christian is to become more and more like Christ. And the purpose of a church is to become more and more like Christ, to help people become like Christ. But to do that, we must spend time with them. Solitude gives us a chance to reflect on all those hair-trigger responses that we, we start with. You know, we have a lot of responses for a lot of things that happen in our lives. You know, like instant anger that spouts out when someone offers a different opinion than ours. Or when fear jumps in, when our position or security is threatened. Or when manipulative words start to come out so we can try to get people to do what we want them to do. Solitude opens up the door for us to not depend on these unhealthy responses. Because here's the thing. When we don't take time out, when we don't allow the peace of God, the solitude of God, to come into our lives, we get into the cycle where we just add to the noise. If your life is too busy, Perhaps for all of us here that we're adding to the noise. Jesus was wise in speech and action. We see it here. Before he started his ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert alone. When he went to go choose his disciples the night before, he spent time alone. When he heard of John the Baptist's death, he went into the hills alone. When he fed, after he fed the 5,000 people, he went into the hills to be alone. Jesus was constantly having demands on his time and energy, but he was constantly taking time to be with God the Father. Now, I know this isn't the most popular sermon. This is something that's really important in our culture. There's so much going on, and I'm not against technology. I have a smartphone, but there's an importance to placing a priority of it in our lives because it has the ability to control almost every aspect of our life. Jesus had constant demands, but he constantly made solitude a priority. We often get so busy in our, in our own schedules, we don't take time to do that. If you look, Psalm 62.5 says this, For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. From God alone, for my hope is with him. 
However, now, I want to clarify what this does not mean. Some people would take this to the extreme, and they say solitude is an extreme view where people, all people, are the problems, and they seek to separate themselves from people or any types of relationships or any kind of event that might lead into relationships. This is not the Christian concept of solitude. Without godly relationships, you won't have solitude. You don't have solitude, you have isolation. There's a difference. Bonhoeffer once said, Let him who cannot be alone beware of a community. But let him who is not in community beware of being alone. What that means is this. Those who cannot be alone, they have to be with people all the time. They sentence themselves to an empty void of words and activity that cannot fulfill. Just activity after activity, and they cannot understand why it's just not enough. It's kind of like empty calories. When you go to Mexican food, you know how they give you those chips to eat on before your real food? Well, you eat on that, you get full on that, you drink because, you know, they want you to buy more drinks. That's why they make it spicy and salty. So by the time you get to your main meal, you cannot enjoy it. I, this is the pressure in my mind. I just had Mexican. And uh, the chips, I ate all the chips, and I couldn't enjoy the food as much as I should have. I'm, I need more solitude. Yes. Now, however, those who seek solitude at the expense of relationships plunge themselves into a world of vanity and self-focus. Healthy solitude, for those who are introverts, solitude does not mean separating ourselves from absolutely everyone else. In fact, that's extremely unhealthy. We become more self-focused. When we're by ourselves, we were just talking, uh, my friend and I were talking about uh, a minister that we know, or they know, excuse me. And this person does not, they minister, but they're not plugged into a church. They just kind of go and speak, but they're never plugged into a church. And what's happened is their theology has gotten funky. It just gets skewed. Because the more with us we are, the more enamored we get with our own views, with our own opinions, with our own thoughts. Isolation is not the same. In fact, Scripture warns us that isolation is actually not healthy. What it says in this Proverbs 18.1, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Isolating ourselves is selfish. Richard Foster points out that in order for us to be alone safely, we must be in community. So solitude's important. Why is it important? Because as we get used to it, you know, musicians, rock and roll musicians, they, over time, later on in life, they have what you call hearing damage. They can't hear anything. Why? Because they've been playing so loudly. They can't hear anything. If you music to a certain decibel, even if you're not aware of it, can damage hearing. Well, that's how life is. When we allow life to get so busy and so loud in our lives, we lose the ability to hear what God's saying to us. We turn the stereo up. We can't hear anything but that band or that music. We can't hear what's most important. So my question for you this morning is, what in your life is making too much noise? What's making too much noise? To be a warrior, we must be comfortable in the spiritual discipline of solitude. If life is a bit too crazy or chaotic, then perhaps you need to apply solitude in your life. 
How do we do that? Number one, invest in solitude. Mark 135. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Having solitude doesn't just happen. You know, Jesus here, he illustrates that he's totally dependent on God. If you look at throughout the scriptures, he's constantly taking time out. He does so here in the early mornings. However, our actions often speak the opposite. It's as if we're petrified of being alone. When we're in the car, we turn up our radios. When we're walking, we're on our small smartphones. And when we're home, we're on social media or watching TV. Or watching TV while on social media. And multi, yeah, multitasking. To invest in solitude, we must be intentional about it. Luke 5, 15, 16 says this. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and he healed their infirmities. But he would withdraw to the desolate places and pray. Jesus establishes a habit of going out to pray. Now, the problem is this. In our culture, it's almost become, you know, creating positive habits have become, even in churches, well, that's just legalistic. Well, it can be if you just do something and forget the reason why you're doing it. But creating healthy habits is actually healthy. Jesus did it. Paul did it. What healthy habits do we have in our life? All of us have habits, but where are they? We must be intentional, because if we are not intentional, it will not happen. When we're intentional about seeking out the Lord in solitude, we hear him clearly. It's not that God goes anywhere. God is still there. Our ability to hear him increases or decreases depending on what noise we're raising up in our lives. Now, to be honest with you, this particular spiritual discipline is probably the very, the most difficult one for me. There are some like study and prayer, but this one, this is my challenge, especially having solitude, you know, when my Tigers lost last night, Detroit Tigers lost. I was very upset. Go Red Sox. I think there's a Baptist church down the street. Go check that. I'm just kidding. No, no. That's the power of Jesus. It reunites Red Sox and Yankees and Tigers fans. Gosh, I don't know how I got on that. Anyways, in this stage of my life, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, a father, a teacher. It's very easy for the time in, in my life to get filled up, but I've been trying desperately hard to keep these pockets of solitude. And on Friday, I, I asked Erica if it was okay if, if I could take a walk as she was working with the baby. And so I took a walk. It was a trail. I just walked. There's these trees and grass. And I, I decided I'm not going to think about anything else. I'm not going to think about my responsibilities. I'm just going to enjoy this. And I would just walk by and I'm like, God, thank you for that tree. Thank you for this beauty. I, 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 I go by this all the time and I don't even take notice. It's amazing when you do that. All of a sudden, I'm seeing these birds and this world, and I'm appreciating the weight of all my responsibilities is not even present. You know, even a possum walks by, and I'm like, that is, in this context, it's really pretty. You have to imagine, it looks like basically a giant rat. But that's, you know, that's the power of solitude. You can see things. You know, you can appreciate a possum who is only a mother can love those beady little eyes. That's solitude. My wife would say, you know, no, solitude can't help with that possible so ugly. I just say you need more solitude in your life. Be intentional about investing. Take walks. 
do something. If you need to take drives to nowhere, just get out and drive. You know, I know some families, they have a room, a special room where people would just go in to relax. Some families, I know, even have just a chair that when somebody is sitting in that lazy boy chair, no one is to, to bother them. It's just their time to just relax. I need a chair like that. Number two, seek solitude in speech. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says this. As it's highlighting, there is a time and a place for all things. It says there is a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Inner solitude and what we say are divinely connected. Luke 4, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 6.45 says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. When we're not intentional about solitude in our lives, we can hear it in the words that we say. Maybe we bicker because the people at work won't do what we want. Or maybe we vent to everyone about our problems because we're so wrapped up in fear. Or maybe we gossip about that one person because we're afraid our friends will listen to their opinions rather than ours. What we can say often reveals the condition of our hearts. One of my favorite sayings says this, it's better for you to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid than open up your mouth and remove all doubt. I really appreciate that. Ecclesiastes 5.2 Be not rash with your mouth, not, or, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Under the discipline of solitude, you know how to speak and when to speak, because we don't have this need to keep speaking at all times. I know that can be challenging to the extroverts. You know, introverts are like, man, tell that to my extrovert friends. They just need to be quiet every day. But I think the book Celebration of Discipline says it very powerfully. Listen to these words. The tongue is your most powerful weapon of manipulation. A frantic stream of words flows from us because we are in a constant process of adjusting our public image. We fear so deeply what we think other people see in us that we will talk in order to straighten out their understanding. How often what we say not actually do any other good other than make sure people have the right impression of us. Think about the example of Jesus. He was put on trial, and they accused him of all sorts of things, and his words were few. And he knew how to talk. He spoke, he taught, he worked with people, he trained up people, and then all of a sudden, he's put on trial, and his words are few. Why? He understands solitude. He understands that even though these people are lying, they made up false testimony against him. His identity, his life, his future was not, he was not put in faith in people. God. Psalms 14, uh, 141 priest says this. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. How many, how many would say, be honest, I'll say this, you know, I need that prayer. God, please help me guard what I say. Number three, this one's a tough one. Right now, no matter where you're at, I ask you to plug in this last one. This one's tough. But on the other end of it, very, very solid. Be familiar with the dark night of the soul. What does that mean? 
We get a glimpse of it in Isaiah 50.10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Sometimes when you're down and suddenly nothing brings you joy, or the stuff you used to like is somehow not what it used to be. Sometimes this is God calling us to a deeper level, a deeper connection with Him. It's a gift. Now, it does not feel like a gift. When you are going through this time when things are down, when, when you don't think, not even necessarily just depression, they just are not, you can't find joy anywhere. Sometimes it's a gift because He's helping us to see that real joy, real happiness, real fulfillment is not dependent on the emotional high when things go where we want them to go. Today you find yourself in a place where you don't find enjoyment in the things that you once did. There might be a dryness or a loneliness or maybe even a sense that you feel lost. In our, in our culture, we're told to avoid these times. In our culture, we say, this is bad. Do everything you can to get out of this. But these are the times that we can be the most, that can be the most powerful that God has in our lives. When we find ourselves, it's a funny thing. When we find ourselves in these unfulfilling moments, we do one of two things usually. One, we kick and scream and do whatever we can through experiences and emotions to fill up that void. That's why people get into drugs, people get into alcohol, people get into to food, people get into all sorts of things, activities, trying to overload our senses with stuff to fill that void. And maybe for a glimpse, for a glimpse it does. Then it's gone. Or the other one. This is a big one. We blame anyone or everyone we can for our unrest or unfulfillment. Because when something's wrong, it has to be somebody's fault. It has to be somebody's fault. It's not our fault. When nothing seems to ease that numbness or boredom, we blame our spouse because they're not doing enough. They're not meeting our needs. We blame our work for not challenging us enough. We blame the worship person because the songs don't get what we want. We blame the church because it's not meeting our needs. We blame our friends because they're not there for us when we need them. We blame, we blame, we blame. By blaming, we often move on to the next person, the next job, the next church, the next friendship. When in reality, God is simply saying, be still and know that I am God. Don't seek your total fulfillment in stuff, in people, even good things, even good people. Do not find your joy in your freedom in those things, because those things are fleeting. Those things are passing. You will never find full inner peace without being connected to me. God asking us to not be addicted to spiritual high. God might be saying to us, don't be so connected to the emotional high that when we don't have it, we move on. Be still and know that I am God. Don't be addicted to goosebumps and butterflies in your stomach. You know, people say love. You know, we talk about this love thing. 
about love's this emotion. Well, we just fell out of love. No, you did not. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice, an act of the will. We're talking about feelings. That's infatuation. Sometimes the great, do you think when Jesus was sitting there going and being pierced, that he's sitting there going, this feels good. No, he's like, this is love. I am choosing to do this. Sometimes love is painful. Sometimes the choices that we have to make are painful. So many, I, we see a lot of things in the churches that we want to make just everyone feel good. And the truth is, when you find Jesus, there's a lot of feeling good. But just because we're in a downtime does not mean that God is speaking. In fact, it may be in that very time, if you're in that right now, God may be trying to sit there and say in your life, don't be dependent on this, be dependent on me. Seek me out. I know, you know, before I was married to Erica, I went through a series of bad relationships. And I could tell you exactly why they were not the right person for me. And I came to one of these moments where nothing was fulfilling. I mean nothing. And God brought this revelation to my heart that it wasn't them. That there was something in me that had to be worked out because the truth was they would never be what I was expecting them to be. Because nobody can be that. Only God can be that in my life. Maybe you're looking to your boss, or your work, or your job, or, or your friends, your relationships. Only God can meet that need. To be a warrior, you must be comfortable in the spiritual discipline of solitude. The only thing happens when you invest in solitude. You find that inner peace that only comes from knowing Jesus personally, and Him being active in your life. But you also find compassion to other people because you're not wrapped up in your own stuff so much that you can actually listen and hear and be attentive to other people's needs. If you have a desire to know God more, if you yearn for peace in your life, if you want to be more compassionate, solitude opens the door. I'm going to challenge you this week to try to apply this into your life. There's two suggestions I'm going to throw out there. One, you can do it right away. One, probably going to be something you can only plan right away. But I'm asking you right now, if this is something you need, you say, I would like to try to instill some solitude in my life. Would you raise your hand? This is what we're going to do. If you would pull out your connection card. We've been doing this in this series of really applying these spiritual disciplines in our lives. If you pull out your connection card on the back, you'll see that there's a connection here that says next steps. Now, maybe the next step for you is not on there. You can write it anywhere on this card. One of the ways that you can apply solitude in your life is take advantage of daily opportunities. If you wake up early in the morning, spend some time with God alone. Take an early morning walk around the neighborhood. If you're up at night later than other people, close yourself off and spend some time. Maybe you have a spare room that you can dedicate just for this sort of thing where you can pray, kind of get away. It has no technology in it. Maybe you don't have a spare room. Maybe you have a closet that you can make, a large closet you can just kind of go in and just relax in. Maybe it's as simple as finding a chair that you guys designate as a family. This is a no-fly zone chair. When you're there, no matter what's going on, you can have peace and quiet. Maybe it's finding a park bench somewhere that you can go to. 
on a daily basis, as much as you can. Next thing is to find a spot. Find a spot that you can go to when things get crazy. I have this trail that we found in our house, that, around the house that, we, that I walked to get away. And you never know where that place might be. My original one when I was younger, remember, was at the crosswalk of Flint, Michigan, behind the red light district. Find the place that you can go and you can seek the Lord. And the next thing is a challenge. This is a yearly challenge. When you plan a vacation, plan something where you can just spend time in solitude. Sometimes our vacations are more busy and more fret crazy and more busy than our actual work and regular lives. Schedule time for peace and quiet. Now, maybe God has revealed something in your heart specifically to do that you know you can do to quiet the noise. Just write it on. You can place it in the offering basket as it goes by. In a moment, we're going to receive the offering. All right, Steve. So, I don't know. Did you listen to the first chapter? I did, yeah. Yeah. I felt yeah. a little convicted after that. And so, <laughs> a bit, yeah. 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 So here we are back again getting convicted on our own show. Um, it's okay. But, it's okay. Yeah. I will say, though, actually, over New Year's, I did kind of step back and say to myself, you know, there's just a lot of noise. And I actually, what, what was resounding in my head was from How the Grinch Stole Christmas all the noise, noise, <laughs> noise, noise. Um, and, and honestly, it's easy, especially for geeks, because we're plugged in big time, yep. Yep. and there is no opportunity to just uh, you know spend time in silence with God. So I shouldn't say there is none. We don't take that time. Yeah, it's something we have to really you know force, almost force into our lives. Yeah, because if you don't, then you're sort of left with, you know, oh, well, uh, I felt bad about it. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Et cetera. But the thing is, if you just do it, it gets done. Exactly. It, it sounds silly to say it like that, but it is that simple. So, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, we, Dr. Jace, uh, this series that Dr. Jace did has four parts. And, you know, in a month or two, we'll, we'll play part three. And eventually we'll get to part four. Maybe we'll do some more of these, but... In the time being, we do want to thank you for listening. And I don't know, Steve, if you have anything, anything else you want to say? Any, any last words? No, no, okay. no last words. All right. Well, I do. And <laughs> my last words to you, everyone, beyond thanks for listening, is Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers, or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.